we always want to be cautious of the BP scenario, the greenwashing. Really, you know, everything sounds like a great idea. Oh yeah, yeah, let's do, let's say we're doing this and let's rebrand. But unless you're being very authentic and you're really taking a close look at your organization from the inside out, I would strongly advise against making any claims that you cannot back up because we live in a world of transparency and people can suss out when things are really truly authentic and credible and when they're not. Welcome back to Chat with Leaders, where we amplify the voices of leaders who use business and influence as a voice for good. We believe it is their example that will have a tremendous impact on our next generation of servant leaders who will carry us forward into our bright, sustainable future. In today's episode, Jeff Bond chats with Tanya Coventry Strader, founder of Brand Plus Purpose, a consultancy helping companies define, articulate, and activate their purpose by aligning their values, culture, and brand equity to find cost-effective ways to put social impact to work for the organization as well as society. Tanya is passionate about creating stakeholder engagement. She's a natural storyteller and leader who has also worked with nonprofits including Habitat for Humanity International, the Carter Center, Westside Future Fund, and Committee for Common Ground. Tanya talks to Jeff about C-suite philanthropy in meeting the needs of community and business. Let's jump into this conversation. Over to you, Jeff. Tanya, it's so great to have you on Chapel Leaders Podcast. Thanks for being with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I've been listening to these for a long time, and I'm honored that you asked me. Well, I'm honored to have you on. You're such a great leader in the social impact space here around Atlanta. I know a lot of people have a tremendous amount of respect for you, so it is such an honor uh, to have you on here and give our listeners just a a general overview of your body of work, because you've done a lot of work around philanthropy and corporate social responsibility and meeting the needs of the community and the business, which is ultimately what we're going to unpack today. So I did want to start with a question about your story and just help listeners understand when you first discovered a passion for this field. Sure, absolutely. So I was a um, corporate branding executive at Turner Broadcasting, uh, for a long time. And then I had my daughter and, uh, I really, I really loved everything I had done at, at Turner, but I started realizing that I was, you know, pumping on a plane, traveling to LA or, um, you know, found myself missing my daughter's first steps or, you know, the first time a tooth broke through. And I just realized that, um, something needed to give and I wanted to be spending more time with my family. Um, and so I, um, I decided to take a step away from corporate branding and marketing, um, and take a little bit of time just to figure out what that next step needed to be for me. Um, because I knew that if, if I was going to have a career, which obviously I needed to have, it needed to be something really meaningful um, if it was going to pull me away from my new family. Um, so that is how I started on this purpose journey. Um, I really started to explore things that interested me. I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go in. Um, but I had, uh, I gave myself the luxury of a few months to really 
get out there and and meet people and learn about what folks were doing. Um, I love to cook. Um, cooking to me is my, what do you call it? Love language. Love language, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I had read Michael Pollan's first book. Um, so I really got uh, invested and interested in the concept of good food for all. Um, I went and did some volunteer work with George Organics. I worked in the slow food movement. Um, and that interest in sustainable foods really grew into um, a passion to leave the world better than how I had left it so that, you know, my daughter would be able to benefit from that. Um, so I started applying my corporate skills to projects that I was passionate about. I, mm -hmm. uh, I helped found a um, solar energy company and branded them. I, um, I worked with a, a young mom who was an entrepreneur and helped her um, market her organic baby food company. Um, I read a lot of amazing books that uh, many of us have read, Cradle to Cradle and um, I became a Ray Anderson groupie in these days. Every time I saw that he was speaking somewhere around Atlanta, I was there. <laughs> um, and so over time, I realized that I really needed to be somewhere in this uh, sustainability, philanthropic um, space. And, um, you know, the pieces just started to fall into place. So one day, um, the mother of another preschooler came up to me and she's like, I understand that you are doing consulting. And I just took a, a new big job as the head of HR um, at a local company, which was Carter's. She's like, can you come and help me get my arms around what we're doing in philanthropy? Because it's a mile wide and an inch deep. And I think we need to focus, but I really need some help. Um, so I started um, working with her and uh, later became their first director of um, corporate giving. Um, mm. And that really started my career in um, corporate giving um, and social impact. Love that. Yeah, it resonates so, so, so much with I'm sure a lot of our listeners' journey. It certainly does for my own as a parent of three and realizing over time that you become so immersed in your work that you're not present in their lives. And I'm a big believer that our most unique and only unique leadership role, frankly, is to be a present biological parent. Nobody else can do that. Uh, otherwise, we're keeping our seat warm for the next person in whatever role that we're filling today. But uh Wow, just such a, a great pivot. And, and I love the idea of self-exploration first and finding your passion and then bringing that to market and then being intentional. You know, I try to tell as many people in their transition periods of their careers to do that self-reflection work first, because then you really know how to reverse engineer the outcomes of what you're actually looking for that you would enjoy uh, doing. But what uh, I guess for that person specifically that is wrestling with that tension and trying to pivot towards passion, uh, what's something maybe in your story that was more challenging than expected that you had to overcome? Sure. Um, so for me personally, my first, my first real challenge was once I got into that job, um, having to speak with the corporate executives who had been making all of these charitable mm. gifts um, because, you know, they were all doing in their minds what, you know, they were helping the community. 
they were um, supporting um, things that were important to them or their neighbors or their family. Um, and they felt very connected to these things. And so probably the first real um, challenge that I faced was explaining um, how corporate purpose and when you align your corporate purpose to your entire organization and your brands, uh, it can really elevate your brands and elevate your business yeah. um, in a very, very um, impactful way. And so it's really important to, when you're starting off on this journey as a company, no matter what size you are, to really look at, at who you are and who you want to be as a company and mm -hmm. who your stakeholders are. And, um, and choose a, um, you know, an overall purpose or theme that aligns with who you are as a company, yeah. um, and then move forward, um, in that direction. You know, you really want to be authentic with that. Yeah. Um, but you also have to be able to tell a really good story, um, because now we know customers want it. Employees want to know what you're doing. Um, and that's one of the most important things is, um, once you have a strategy, it's really easy to pull your narrative together from yeah. that strategy. Yeah. Strategy was the word I was thinking about there. And I don't think it's wrong to have a strategy. I mean, I've, I've found myself in that so many times personally that I want to give to so many different things and I want to be generous and I want to, but it's not strategic. And then you find yourself kind of, uh, connected to all these different disparate, like kind of systems and organizations and nonprofits. And then ultimately it doesn't really serve a central mission impact, which, you know, I think these giving strategies, the, the philanthropy that a lot of companies want to, to model, it's kind of a missed opportunity in a lot of cases when they're not thinking strategically about how that ties to the mission and how that reinforces their culture and brings people together around a central mission and models the values outwardly of what you're actually doing about the words that you share on your mission statement. Um, I think that's a big aha that I've learned, but what are some of the big lessons that you've learned, you know, through that tension and through your journey of, of getting into this space? Well, you know, one of, one of the first lessons I really learned um, speaking to that is um, I would I would go to local organizations and say, oh, I'm going to give you a twenty thousand dollar grant, and I want you to build a playground, or you know, um, I really didn't at that. I was so new to the you know this world, I didn't understand the nonprofit world and their objectives and their need for resources enough to understand how to align what I was giving with what I was asking for in return or what I was expecting in return. Yeah. Um, so that is one of the first lessons I learned is really having more conversations and really getting to know um, the organizations that are doing the work that you want to support to better understand what their needs are. Because, you know, I think sometimes we go after that, um, the shiny dollar of, oh, where can I put my name? But really what an organization needs is to be sure they can keep the lights on so that they can go on to, you know, feed more people tomorrow or, you know, whatever it is that their their core mission is that you're supporting. So um, I really do think thinking about the impact and, and um, doing all you can to uh, focus 
your giving efforts into one to maybe four pillars, depending on how big you are, really helps you have more impact, tell a better story, and um, just be a better partner, honestly. Because there's intentionality there. You're not just kind of backing in uh, to it in hopes that it kind of has the impact that you didn't quite measure, that you didn't necessarily have the end in mind when you started. And, you know, and I think that comes with experience. You know, it's hard to know that until you get into the trenches and see what works and what doesn't. And uh, it's so good to be able to share that perspective, I think, with the next generation of leaders who want to give and be generous and but have a strategy behind that. Um, also I think what would be helpful for them to know is some of the influential resources that you've kind of leaned into throughout your career, whether that be people or online resources. So can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. You know, um, one thing that, uh, I learned from all of my, uh, following of Ray Anderson, um, was one thing that he said over and over again was, you will find that the best ideas come from unexpected places. Mm. Um, And he also talked a lot about um, the, um, I think it was called around the circle or in the round, like Mm -hmm. really talking about ideas in the round. And I think what he meant by that was inclusion. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, Over time, what I really have learned everywhere I've been um, was if you if you really get to know the business that you're working with and you talk to the people from the very top, because, you know, it's always you've got to you've got to get buy in from the corporate group. Right. Um, But also once in my experience, once I started to uh, present our. Carter's Cares program and our corporate vision and purpose to the entire organization, which I was lucky enough to have a chance to do a couple times a year, um, the ideas started rolling in. Like there were distribution center managers in Hong Kong who had had, you know, like a room full of product that hadn't been sold the season before and they didn't know what to do with it. Or, you know, a store manager somewhere who you know, wanted to do something with the coats that were left at the end of the season. Um, And so we started to create programs around the people who were actually out there on the front lines doing the work and what we actually had. And what we quickly found out was that we had so many internal resources and for Carter's, it was clothing um, and people that the lion's share of what we did in terms of corporate giving was providing clothing during natural disasters or, Hmm. you know, to children who were going into um, uh, homeless shelters or the social um, service um, area. So, yeah, it really is uh, be inclusive because you never know where the best ideas are going to come from. 
hundred percent. I love that wisdom. And, and certainly that's the fun stuff too, right? I mean, who doesn't, uh, have their mood elevated, their purpose, you know, elevated and a sense of accomplishment or like they're making a difference in the world. I mean, it impacts culture, it impacts a sense of purpose, like they're just general happiness and joy of giving. And uh, what a great opportunity to take the resources that you already have and deploy them to the areas of greatest need. But to have somebody that's really stewarding the brand strategy of philanthropy. So I'm curious mm -hmm. For organization, and you work on so many interesting projects, but like, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see in that kind of intersection of brand strategy and uh, philanthropy today? Well, you know, I think certainly um, we always want to be cautious of um, the BP scenario, the greenwashing. Mm -hmm. um, really, you know, everything sounds like a great idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do, let's say we're doing this and let's rebrand. But unless you're being very authentic and you're really taking a close look at your organization from the inside out, mm. um, you know, you, you really can't, shouldn't, I don't know, <laughs> like... I would strongly advise against making any claims that you cannot back up because we live in a world of transparency and people between social media and your own employees, like people can, can suss out when things are really truly um, authentic and credible and when they're not. And so I think that's always one of the most important things to me when I'm talking to a company is make sure that whatever it is that you're launching and, and want to do, that you can and and uh, that you can do it, that you can do it better than other people, um, or that you are better resourced to do it than some other people, and that so it's ownable, um, and that uh, it, it makes sense for your brand, um, because you know if you're trying to pull a, a, a corporate. Um, philanthropy idea or, or cause along and it doesn't align with who you are as a company, then, you know, yep. those things quickly don't meet up. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we have so many relevant conversations that on the show and, and I just hear that backed up each and every day. And, and, and there's really a lot of critical reasons why corporations and businesses should be conscious of their role in the community uh, that they serve and have a higher purpose uh, to go out there and serve. What are, what are some of the, the biggest reasons for that uh, from what you see and, and the impact that you see your clients having with a more purposeful, authentic, uh, higher purpose? Well, you know, I mean, I think, I think the reasons are many and, you know, they run a long continuum, like to, to begin with, like, Everybody wants um, to attract a, a new workforce, a younger workforce, um, and that workforce is looking for companies that are um, are employers they can be proud of and that are doing things in the community that they can participate in and feel a part of. Yes. Um, you know, I think we saw with uh, Edelman's latest trust barometer that people trust their employer more than they trust media, for example. Mm -hmm. So they're really looking for an employer that they can believe in and they want to align their own personal brands to. Um, so I think, you know, that is a start. Um, I also think that, you know, unfortunately, 
a lot of people expect that government is going to fix all the ills of society and the government should be stepping in to do all these things. But the reality is that's not happening. And so um, the companies that are in communities and employing a workforce that lives in certain communities um, and in many cases, you know, affecting those communities both positively and adversely, you know, in, in Atlanta right now, we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, rapid gentrification because companies are coming in and building headquarters mm -hmm. and that makes um, housing costs go up and the housing costs are no longer affordable for the legacy residents who have been there forever. And, um, and so, you know, unfortunately they come in and they're thinking, oh, we're going to revitalize an area. We're going to make this, you know, once uh, under underserved area, you know, rich with new people who are coming in to clean it up. But what they don't realize is that, or they might realize it, is that that also creates a loss of culture and heritage in so many of these areas where this has happened, yeah. you know, have really kind of lost what made them so special to begin with in this process because all of the legacy residents are forced out. Um, so, you know, that's another thing to be really conscious of is how, um, and you know, Zillow does this. Zillow has a whole department that is focused on unintentional consequences of the work that they do. And I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think so many times the things that people get called on the table for, they never realized they probably were looking at a slightly different angle and thought it was a really mm -hmm. positive thing. Um, so I think always look for the unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of anything else right now, but I had a million of them two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are really good ones. And I really like examining the unintended consequences, because, you know, a lot of the times it, it is well intentioned, you know, the work that you're doing, and you think that you're gentrifying a neighborhood, but you don't think about the downstream, you know, effects to, to legacy residents. And we've had conversations with different people on this show that are working on the affordable housing crisis. And I know that you are doing some great work on that with the Westside Fund. And uh, it's just amazing. Um, to see, you know, when people actually examine uh, the the actual consequences of their own actions, you know, and and actually, you know, move forward with that kind of uh, questioning, it's it's a responsible thing to do. Um, yeah. At the same time, every business has financial growth goals, and you know, you want to meet people's financial interests uh, while contributing resources and using your business as a force for good in the community that pulls your. Uh, your team together, your culture, you know, it attracts new talent that's emerging into the market that's demanding that the consumers that are looking to buy the products or services that you have to offer that want purpose driven. So what are just yeah. some small steps that uh, corporate entities or sm even small businesses can take today uh, to, to move towards that to move towards being a conscious business uh, that's using their influence and their resources as a force for good in the world? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think uh, one of the one of the things in my experience that's an amazing team builder and culture builder is having your employees volunteer together. 
um, either as departments or cross-departmentally. If you find that people are working in silos, mm. put them all together to work on um, a project in the community, like whether it's planting trees or cleaning up a riverbed, you know, or running a race. Um, it is amazing how much that high from doing good and um, feeling like you're making a difference for a community or nature, whatever that might be, kind of creates a ripple effect. And then it comes over into your fellow employees. And I think particularly today when we're all so isolated in our own home offices, you know, working remotely, it's really important to um, build camaraderie and trust among your employees. Mm -hmm. And so I think just, you know, organizing um, company-wide volunteer events, or like I said, just events where people can come together and do some good and meet each other is, is great. Um, you know, again, I think there are a lot of companies that have had unintended consequences um, in different places, you know, um, companies that are doing wonderful work in one end, but then, you know, don't realize that their own trucking hub might be really creating um, a lot of particulate matter um, pollution wherever their trucks are, are located and being loaded up with whatever it is that they're sending, you know, across the country. And then there's children in that area who, you know, are suffering from asthma and other respiratory issues. I mean, right now, you know, we're hearing about a lot of respiratory issues um, in children and, and how a lot of hospitals are being overwhelmed by that. I think um, that's another thing is uh, just thinking about, okay, well, is my, um, is my driver idling his truck while he's loading or unloading, you know, our groceries in the supermarket or at the bar and they're unloading, you know, whatever um, bottles they're, they're dropping off. Can we ask them not to idle their vehicle? That will cut down on a lot of pollution. So, you know, even small things like that, that a company does really do make a big difference um, in the end because, um, you know, it's collaborative. And if everybody does just a little bit, um, then suddenly we find that there is a big change happening. Um, yeah. Mm, so good. Yeah. And I think so many people are under this false notion that if they're not doing something like really big, like a big impact or a big project that they're not making a difference. But I love how you broke that down into just the small little things that you could do today. And that should be very encouraging all business leaders to, to pick those things and, and make a big deal out of it because it is making a big difference, but it's just a small step forward. And as you can do bigger things, you, you do bigger things. I can see Absolutely. why having your influence in organizations is, uh, is certainly beneficial. If people wanted to learn more about your work, Tanya, get connected, um, just follow the good, the good things that you're doing, the good projects in the community, what would be a, where would be a good place for them to go online? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so that's probably the best place. Um, and then I can provide you my email afterwards too. So awesome. you can reach out to me that way. And we will include all of those resources in the show notes so people can get in touch and follow. Tanya, just such a gift as always. I feel like I could talk to you forever, but just having your wisdom kind of distilled down into this chat today, I'm sure will be very encouraging to many purpose-driven leaders. So thank you for your gift of time and for sharing that with us today. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate your time. 
Well, that wraps up another edition of Chat with Leaders. Thank you for investing your time with us today. If you haven't already, we would be grateful if you shared this episode with a friend and rated it on Apple or wherever you get your podcast so we can pass down the wisdom from our guests to more aspiring leaders. If you're interested in launching a professional podcast to grow your business, we would love to help. Check out chatwithleaders.com for more information and feel free to reach out by emailing team at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again and go be a leader worth following.